15 minutes it is after 8 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. Now, uh, we're reporting to you that an agreement seemingly has been reached between the social partners out at Nedlac on the extension of the COVID-19 Temporary Employer-Employee Relief Scheme, TERS. Now, uh, this is going to be extended to affected employees and employers uh, who are affected by the Level 4 lockdown. And it said that uh, the final details are still being worked out and will need to be approved by Cabinet and the National Coronavirus Command Council. Now, uh, I'm joined on the line uh, to uh, talk a bit more about this by Matthew Parks, uh, who's the uh, representative for Kosatu out at Nedlac. Matthew, good evening to you and welcome. Uh, good evening, Ayabonga. Hope you're well. Thanks yeah, for having yeah, yeah. me. Well, thanks, man. Long time, and uh, thank you very much for coming through and speaking to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Matthew, let's maybe start off here. Um, level 4 is announced by President uh, Cyril Ramaphosa, and one would argue, based on advice that he would have received from the Ministerial Advisory Committee on uh, COVID-19. Um, and the decision is made subsequently to close off certain sectors. But in the Gazette that comes through, I think it was not this past Friday, but the previous one. In the Gazette that comes through, uh, certainly very little by way of saying for all of those sectors that have been closed, uh, that uh, there would be some form of uh, short-term relief, uh, much like what we saw in other uh, lockdown periods that we've had um, you know, in the preceding year. What, what did you make of uh, that outcome, uh, just as... Labour and uh, I guess in particular as Kosato, before we get to some of the discussions that have happened over the weekend. Yeah, look up. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, the other thing, I guess, even in calling for this, you would have been looking at very closely, Matthew, is the level of uh, the surplus on the UIF. Um, so, um, where are we in terms of that? And I guess uh, that would have been a sort of a key indicator of how much space there would be and how mm. long potentially we'd be able to run such a program before we one gets into some trouble uh, from an actuarial perspective. Sure. Look, I mean, the U.S. has done very well over the year, honest. Mm. Um, at the height of the lockdown, I bonged last year when we were level, level five, only 15% of workers could work. Under level four, then 30% of workers could work. But right now, it's, it's a much more precise level four. Only certain sectors of the economy can't work, like liquor, restaurants, hotels, hospitality, sports, events, etc. So it's not as broad as it was last year. Um, I think the most... Easily compatible time period last year is around October, November. Um, we had kind of similar restrictions in place. And at that stage, the UF was paying about 2 billion rand a month in claims. Mm. So we think right now it's easily affordable, but also it's a morally right thing to do. When people are struggling, when companies are in the verge of collapse and retrenching, we have to throw everything we have sure. at saving them, helping them survive, um, and, and to pull through. Mm. There's no point of keeping money in a bank account when it's there to help people in the most difficult time of need. Yeah, yeah. Comrade Matthew, is this the time to be talking also about broadening the base of who contributes to the UIF? Um, and I ask this in the context of, um, I mean, one of the campaigns underway now want to get as many employers of domestic workers to sign up for the UIF, but also in the case of many own account workers, and uh, I know in the space we operate in many freelance workers who have effectively now had to sort of get the affairs in order because they realize that crisis is going to be a big part of how we live going forward. And that at some stage, they're going to have to join the queues at the labor centers uh, to get some form of support in, in whatever shape or form. Um, sh should we be having that discussion now or is that a discussion we wait for uh, during the better times? No, and accommodate mm. this evolving type of employment relationship and maybe even to allow people who are self-employed 
Mm. You know, why can't somebody who's self-employed say, okay, I can contribute the workers' contribution sure. and maybe 50% of the employees' contribution. Mm. But so it becomes a, you really modernize the yeah. sense of insurance because it is an insurance fund and it should cover everybody. It shouldn't be rigid because the, the jobs of the past mm. where you went to work for one employer at the age of 20 and retired at 65, that's evolving rapidly and we need to modernize mm. it to catch up and make sure it covers that missing one-third of the workforce. Yeah, And you know, Matthew, just, just as a worker, I guess, in one of uh, the examples that you've made there, um, I mean, in the in the case of freelance uh, uh, workers, uh, there's also a question of, you know, does that extend to modernizing even uh, the basis of organization of some of those workers? Because in many cases, you know, uh, some trade unions wouldn't even touch us with a barge pole. Um, so, so there's all of those questions. I mean, I'm not saying that the trade unions organized in this sector don't organize some of us. I mean, some of us are members. Uh, but I think the question mark really is around, has the trade union form or the industrial trade union form caught up uh, with some of the changes that we might be advocating for in the case of the UIF and uh, all of the other uh, protective measures? I mean, sign them up. Mm. How does the union become aware of their difficulties, you know? Mm. Um, it's a lot of questions we all need to think about. If you get injured at home, so who's responsible for you? You were doing your work. Maybe you suffered back injuries because you sit at your computer for too many hours a day, mm. for example. Mm. Your hands become damaged because you're typing all the time. But the employer say, well, you work from home, so I'm not responsible for you. So you've got to make sure that the compensation fund is geared towards that. So mm. I think we're, we're really going to see in the pandemic is really accelerating the fourth industrial revolution faster than we all expected. Mm. And we have to see our laws, our systems, our trade union recruiting strategies, are they geared to it? Um, but I think, look, I mean, you know, my experience at Ayabonga, the solution to most of these things is simply to think, to be creative, to mm. be imaginative, and to do the hard work. And then you'll find the solutions. Yeah, yeah. Like you saw the Uber drivers going in court in England sure. and getting their rights recognized. Mm, mm. And, you know, maybe, maybe Matthew, just as we wrap up, I guess, you know, and this is one of the questions I saw earlier on social media when this announcement was made. Um, I think it was Ndutu Gomakomboti who asked this question. What, what are some of the things that uh, one might learn from the previous experiences. I mean, we saw an instance there where some money from the UIF was fleeced. There were ghost employees that were sent money. Uh, you know, there was, uh, in many cases, some of the workers who were supposed to receive the TERS from level five about over a year ago still haven't received some of their monies. Um, has there been anything that has been learned here that has been shared with yourselves at NEDLAC to say, this time around, we know, yes, it's a smaller cohort of workers that have been effectively locked out. But based on what we've learned in preceding episodes, uh, this is how we're going to make sure that there's no fleecing of resources, uh, that the administrative glitches are overcome, and that for all manner of users, be it the employee or even the employer, that the system is convenient enough for them to use and straightforward enough for them to be able to lodge their claims and have those uh, paid expeditiously. No, I think there's many less systems. Uh, um, uh. I think the to be honest with you, with all the dramas of the UF, I mean, it was never built for an entire national shutdown. It was always built to help a few hundred thousand workers at any given point in time. It had to give up and it assisted over 5 million workers with 60 billion rand worth of payments. And with all the dramas, and there's still many hundreds of thousands of workers waiting for the payments. Shamefully, it managed to, to do that. I think we're also quite surprised at times... Um, how some employers would actually be willing to steal the money or even deduct or only pay part of the money to the workers. We've got countless times 
of workers complain to us, but they've received money, the, work, the employees receive the money, but they haven't gotten it, you know, mm. or they got part of it. And that creates huge tensions, which we had to try to intervene. But on a positive note, Ibong, we also saw that at Nedlec, um, our differences as the, as the three trade union federations were put aside. We worked hand in glove, but even we worked hand in glove with our colleagues from the business leadership at Nedlec. And it was all about can we save companies, prevent retrenchments, keep the doors open, can we save workers, keep them employed, get them some money into their pockets to feed their families, etc. Mm. But you know, even Ibonga, I mean, you know, people like yourself, you and I are middle class people enjoy bank accounts. Mm. Huge amounts of workers don't have bank accounts, don't have IDs, don't know how to do cell phone banking, don't know how to go on a mobile website on a mm. cell phone to apply for the UFN. We were telling you, of colleagues, don't assume that a construction worker has a smartphone. He won't. And that's not a, a tool that he's co- comfortable with. You've got to have a system which caters for mm. all types of backgrounds, preferences. But, but is that not the nub of the issue, uh, uh, Comrade Matthew? Because it does seem to me that sometimes even the most well-intentioned policy programs fail because there's massive design assumptions that are made. I mean, we, we were talking to the compensation fund a few weeks ago, and they, certainly even after the judgment that came towards the end of last year, had not received any uh, domestic workers or the children of domestic workers who had died, for instance, in the workplace, coming through to claim for COIDA now that they were allowed to do so, largely because the entire system was an online system um, that, you know, really was kind of unclear i mean if, if if you're missing certain pieces of information the system would, would sort of kick you out um, and in some cases if i got ill in the workplace in 1997 what's the likelihood that i'm going to have you know the id number on hand of uh, the person who used to employ me so it's all of that not only just i guess the the avenue to um, claim some of this but also some of the informational requirements that are part of this process that sometimes are very sort of uh, um, contrary to user convenience or anything of that kind. No, exactly. And you remember Tabon Becky was crucial. The consequence of that sense of uh, lack of passionate activism in the state, it means ordinary people on the ground suffer what they should have had the, the benefit of additional help for them. Yeah. And, you know, and the consequences to that. And as I think, you know, part of recovering from the, the, the decade of state capture is about rebuilding a committed state, an effective modernized state, which really is going back to its roots of serving the poor and being a developmental and a capacitated state. Yeah, and a caring state as well, you know. Um, exactly. Yeah, and may- maybe a last question, Comrade Matthew, before we let you go. Uh, for many of the workers who are listening in here working, you know, in bottling factories, working uh, at uh, many of the breweries in our country uh, and even in the restaurant uh, and hospitality sector, effectively locked out of uh, their workplaces. Um, there's still a lot more detail to go through here before this uh, passes. Uh, can you give us some timelines and I guess uh, maybe a sense coming out of NEDLAC of uh, how this process is going to unfold? Sure, I think three go home with food for the for the mm. kids. Mm. Comrade Mark, uh, Matthew, uh, we'll have to leave it there. Um, and uh, as always, a pleasure catching up with you and uh, thank you very much for your time. We'll watch closely some of the developments uh, as it relates to TERS, but uh, we certainly hope that it uh, happens expeditiously because yeah, people are starving and hungry as is. Cool. Thanks, Ayabonga. Thank you very much. That there was Matthew Parks uh, speaking to us uh, on behalf of COSATU, which uh, is the federation he represents at uh, NEDLAC, uh, the National uh, uh, 
uh, Economic Development and Labour Council there, that uh, social dialogue platform there uh, for government, business, uh, labour and community. We're going to take a brief break now. Class uh, Buya, we uh, take a look at uh, what's uh, happening out in our communities and uh, we also thereafter, under the microscope, take a look at what's happening in Eswatini.